It's episode 109 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Ean. Today on the program is Dallas, Texas-based designer and illustrator John Matta. We discuss the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that seem inherent in all creative work and strategies designers can use in their careers to transcend them. Thanks so much for being on the show. It's great to have you here. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. So you're based in Texas, is that, I am. Is that right? So I am. Uh, you've had a heck of a winter, haven't you? It was unexpected, <laughs> oh to say the least. Yes. Uh, I don't think we were prepared for that. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I was watching the news from over here uh, and just seeing like, you know, um, unprecedented temperatures. Like it was just like absolutely frozen. Were, were you guys without power trying to do your work from yes, home we, and all of that? Exactly. Exactly. I think we went for, I think the longest stretch we went for was 12 hours, which, you know, some people go way longer. Uh, some people still haven't had their power turned back on. Oh my which is really, really, really wild. Um, we lost a few outdoor equipment things. Uh, we lost some plants, but nothing too major. I had a lot of neighbors lose pipes, and you know, it was it was wild. Yeah, no, that sounds. We are sounds, not prepared for that uh, in Texas. We've had a lot. We've had a lot happen in the last year or so that we've not been prepared for. I think. Um, yes. Maybe, maybe to say uh, the least. Maybe that's the new normal. Oh my god! But hey, so I was looking through your website um, and uh, saw that you. Did the logo for the White House for the Biden and Harris administration. How cool is that? Very cool. Very unexpected. Very wild. Um, the way it just came together. Um, it didn't have too much time to get too uh, anxious, <laughs> which is something that happens to me quite regularly whenever I get a new um, you know, freelance gig. Yeah, sure. It's, it's one of those things that you, your body just kind of takes over sometimes. Uh, this, um, this particular instance... There was no time to think. It was just due. So it was pretty cool. I was reading an article about that. Um, and I guess sort of um, like everything else in the transition between the two administrations, uh, that too was unprecedented in that like the web teams almost you know, didn't communicate whatsoever. And what would normally be a, a three or four month project, uh, you know, since there was so much, it was so strung out in, the, in that transition that like, it was only a few weeks to exactly. put that whole thing together. Exactly. Um, and and not only that, but uh a lot the the Trump administration website had a lot of what should have been there kind of gutted, right? Like there was yes. very little accessibility, um, you know, no language translations, like almost yes. a cliche of how they would run a website. Exactly, exactly. So um all, the the team just just completely took over. Um Fortunately, all, all I had to do was just a, a very, very small part, which was just the icon, mm. which um, even that was kind of um, a lot of, not a lot, I wouldn't say a lot of revisions, but just trying to get it right. Sure. Um, fixing some of the stuff that maybe um, in the past needed to be updated a little bit. Um, but it went really, really quick. Uh, there was no time to think. <laughs> no, I can I can imagine. Well, I think the website looks fantastic, and um, and that, yes. that's just like what a great sort of you know piece for your portfolio, right? Exactly. Yeah, the team at Wide Eye that uh, hired me to do that part, they did an amazing job. I mean, they're they're really really good at what they do. Yeah, that's really cool. So you mentioned a little bit uh, the notion of anxiety. I thought we might talk a bit about. Uh, as I was thinking about it, you know, before we 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 started this uh, recording, this idea of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that I think feels like yes. uh, almost this inevitability in all creative work. Yes, um, and uh, you know, you've got years of experience. I've got years of experience, and and um, in in some ways, 
a lot of that doesn't go away. We just sort of adapt to, you know, we get our own techniques, we get our own. But I get that from a lot of younger designers that I talk to, that I try to coach, that I do a little mentorship with. Sure. And so I'm wondering, uh, maybe we'll talk about that just a little bit. But before yeah. we do, why don't you take us up to like, how you, how you got to now, like, uh, <laughs> you know, where did you get your start? Uh, and, and what has that progression been like? Sure. Um, I'm from West Texas, Odessa, Texas. Nice. Uh, just yes. Friday night lights, which yeah, are exactly. our biggest break, the biggest claim to fame. Um, I went to a very small school, university of Texas of the Permian basin, which is part of the UT system, but they're not known for art. Uh, they have a really nice art uh, building there and, and an art program, but you know, they're not known for graphic design. I think I was able to learn a lot of the finer parts of art, you know, mm. uh, sculpting, drawing, sure. you know, printmaking, all that good stuff. And I was in uh, a very small program for their, their design. And I think there was maybe three of us that graduated oh, from yeah, that design sure. program. Um, <laughs> And I don't even know if it's even around anymore, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, right after I graduated, I was fortunate to get a job at the local TV station, which is really weird for a graphic designer that specialized in print. Huh. Uh, so I found myself, you know, uh, shooting commercials, going to shoot high school football, things like that, which was different, you know, a little yeah. different. And fortunately, I was able to get an internship at Fossil finally when I was a Nice age of 28, which is oh, wow. yeah. very late. You know, I was uh, surrounded by a lot of people that just graduated, which is really weird. And they're like, what year did you graduate? Because <laughs> obviously <laughs> I looked older than everybody else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when I got into Fossil, it was right when things started taking off. Nice. Um, and so uh, what was that transition like? What, and then where did you go from there? So, yeah, uh, being an intern at 28, which is kind of humbling a little bit, which is fine. I think it was important for me to be able to learn from the people around me and just see that, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, what track you're on. If you're 21 or you're 28, you know, if you have the skills and you have the drive to to get your stuff done, you'll eventually get where you want to be. And I think that was really cool. Um, I had some really, really good, I would say, mentors at Fossil that showed me a lot of cool tricks and stuff that I just never learned in school or I could never learn on my own because, you know, you just, you don't know these things unless you're in the industry. Sure. Sure. You know, that is interesting. I get a lot of students asking me about, uh, or not about what they should be doing in their education and uh, and what should they be studying and balancing, like, should I go learn JavaScript? You know, those, those sorts of questions. That's the scariest thing, right? Because you think, Oh, what, what do I not know? What, you know, what, what is something that is going to get me a job? And, and what's funny is, Sometimes if you just get in somewhere, the person that's already there can teach you so much stuff, so much stuff about not only just design, it, but life as, as well. Um, even when I worked at the TV station, uh, one of my mentors there, if you will, his name was Billy. Um, he didn't have a graphic design background. He, I don't believe he went to college or anything like that. He was just, you know, working there and he was able to show me so much cool things and I learned drive and I learned how to, you know, take my job seriously from him and be creative. I mean, he owned a haunted house, a local haunted house in, in West Texas. And I was able to go over there and help him <laughs> help him do some really cool stuff, you know, um, design posters for his haunted house, things like that, which you would never have thought like, OK, how is this going to work? And, and it gave me the confidence 
which mm. I was lacking at the time, uh, to do something cool. He, I mean, he would tell me, it was a very popular haunted house. He would tell me, do whatever you want for my poster. Do whatever you want for the tickets. Do whatever, you know. And I was able to be very, very, very creative at that point, which is what I was needing. Mm, that's really interesting. I have, th- there's some parallels with how I started my career uh, in that uh, when I left uh, college, I got a job at a newspaper and um, I started as a reporter and then kind of moved. And this isn't just in the course of maybe two years. So I'm 24, 25. Um, and I moved more towards uh, layout and design. I enjoyed that so much. It was a small newspaper, so kind of did it all, Right. And right. I, and I really, you know, there I am in Cork Express on an old Macintosh SE30, like going way back, right? Um, right. Doing layout and things like that and feeling pretty good. Like, all right, I've already moved up a little bit in this job and um, I'm learning stuff. And then in a, like a blind stroke of luck, land an internship right, at Wired Magazine. And this is Wired Magazine in 1994. So that's, uh, you know, very, very... <laughs> yeah, it was the the magazine wasn't even a year old yet. And so uh and it was to do this HTML stuff that nobody knew. But that step of like, wait a minute, I'm on track towards, you know, editor and like the right. bigger newspaper. I was already getting, you know, starting to talk to the even bigger like newspaper in Los Angeles and like, ooh, this is and then like, nope. Like I'm gonna take the risk of something that sounds like a whole other potential. <laughs> And I remember that, like, you know, suddenly like, oh, and I'm also living on $100 a week. Oh, my God. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, You know, it's funny because, you know, when you're in a job that you don't want to be in, let's just say, you know, I was in that TV job. That's not what I really wanted to do. I wanted to be a graphic designer, but I wasn't getting to do what I wanted to do. And, And to be honest, not very many people were answering my, you know, emails out to, you know, apply for new jobs and stuff because I didn't really have the work to show. Yep. You know, and and what living in West Texas gave me the opportunity was when I would go shoot high school football. It was if you know anything about West Texas, it's completely spread out. Um, it is the flattest place on earth. I swear, people say you can see the curvature of the earth. That's how flat it is. Um, <laughs> but between the cities, I was able to, or towns, I was able to spend a lot of time thinking, which is good and bad, sure. right? Because good that you can kind of get your thoughts together and maybe come up with some new ideas um, to, to work on some pieces and bad because you're thinking you're not on the right track for your career. You're wondering, holy smokes, did I make the wrong decision? Should I have listened to my parents and gotten a business degree instead of an art degree? You know, things like that, that you start just, the anxiety starts taking over a little bit and you start thinking a little too much. So it, it was good and bad, but I, I think I would say it was mostly good. This episode of Presentable is brought to you by Pingdom. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't click the Buy Now button or access any of your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You totally need a system. You need something to tell you when everything is running smoothly on your site and, more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every single day. Pingdom helps you keep your sites and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts without uh, uh, about any critical website issue. They'll let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need 
is your URL uh, so that you can monitor it and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash relay FM right now. That's pingdom.com slash relay FM. And you get a 30 day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you do sign up, use the code presentable at checkout and they'll take 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. So one of the things uh, that you mentioned was you had this experience of uh, getting an internship, getting into a, a pretty significant brand known for design. Um, exactly. But also this, uh, this opportunity to do some, some work outside of that. Yes. Uh, uh, you, you know, you're talking about making posters and you know, things like that. That's one of the things that I think uh, designers earlier in their careers really struggle with, which is I want to get a job in design or an internship or anything. I have nothing in my portfolio. Should I just make some stuff up? Like, what do I do? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, you know, when, like I mentioned earlier about those long stretches of time where I would just drive and think, um, one of the things that I was thinking of was, um, giving myself self-initiated projects, which is, you know, just something that you assign to yourself. And it sounds very um, simple sometimes because you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I'll just design for a band or I'll just design. And I think it goes beyond that. I think it's, it's something, it's almost like a passion project right now. Well, I'll say right now, but forever um, I've been <laughs> obsessed with space, uh-huh. you know, and it's, uh, particularly the Apollo uh, 11 program. Sure. And it was one of those things that I just designed for that. Um, I would give myself that project. And just like you said, a student coming right out of school, they don't really have much to show except for their student work in most cases. And the student work, although it's strong, you know, it's not something that I would say bold or something that's going to really catch a lot of eyes because I feel like it may be a pamphlet that you designed or it may be, you know, a business card that you design, right? You know, those are those are things that are not really that, let's be honest, exciting, you know. Um, but if you design a poster for the space program or you design, you know, a space patch or something sure. along those lines, you know, I think those are things that people like you, Jeff, that you that will see it when you're scrolling through the Internet and you'll you may come across it and say, I kind of want to see more of this. And then you go and you you follow the, that rabbit trail and you go and you find more work from that designer and then you're. Then you get your eyes on, on the on the project at that point. You know, we've, we've also had a lot of uh, conversation in previous episodes of this podcast around the narrative of the work that is in your portfolio, right? Yeah, um, exactly. One of the things that I have uh, often advised young designers is uh, is to find that side passion project, but also see if there is a way that you can uh, have a client involved somehow yes. right so that you get some sense of constraint uh also Always. and then you can talk through i wanted to do this but the you know uh but the constraints were this and so i had to learn and i had to think around this and and that's i think in many ways i don't put as much emphasis on the portfolio itself i use the p- portfolio almost in a binary sense like sure. like are they or aren't they? Does this fit? Doesn't it fit? Okay, it fits. Now let's hear the stories, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, it, it's funny because um, I've had uh, freelance clients say, hey, I saw that poster that you did for space or whatever, and um, I really, really liked it. Um, could you do something similar for this project? Yeah. 
And I know they didn't buy that poster because I know how many people have bought these posters. You know, there's, there's not very many, you know, and, and they just came across it somewhere. Right. And, right. and then they want me to take that same passion, let's be honest, and, and put it in their project at that point. Um, sometimes when you're assigned a, a gig or a job, sometimes you feel like, okay, I'll do the work and, and I may not be as passionate about it as, as a self-initiated project. I think you, that really comes through in that work at that point. Um, Cause you're, you're, you're the boss of that project at that point. Right. And you know what it, you want it to look like. And, and then you usually go way above beyond and, and above what uh, you would for a client. That, you know, that's interesting. Just uh, yesterday we were having a conversation uh, with the people I work with, which is a group of investors. Uh, we do, you know, venture capital and we talked through this whole deal uh, and all the numbers and all the market size and everything was looking really good. And somebody paused and said to the person who was proposing the investment, like, do you really want to spend time on this? Like, you know, like this is, <laughs> do you really, is this something that you really want to like day to day, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that question is right. Especially when you're starting your career sure. um, is a hard one. Do I, you know, this, oh, they're, they're going to pay me actual cash money and uh, it seems aligned with what I'm good at, but do I really want to do it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, you know, when you are given those projects sometimes um, as a designer, especially if you're, you're early on, or let's be honest, even myself at this point, you know, I'm, I'm very far into my career when I am given a project like that or given or, or a client does uh, ask for me to work on something for them that self-doubt and the anxiety starts to kind of creep in a little bit. It's almost like a roller coaster. I feel like, um, you get, you get assigned or you're, uh, you know, given a project and you're at the very top of that roller coaster. You're like, Holy smokes. Somebody noticed my work, right? Somebody wants to hire me. This is amazing. And then you realize, just like you said, you're doing this for money. Now that comes with the other expectation that you're going to get the job done. Right. Uh, I hope they like it. I hope I'm able to do what they want, you know? And so then you start to come down off of that, that roller coaster top high, and then you're going down into the Valley, which I think is the scariest part as a designer. Um, it's the self doubt. It's the, you know, you're, you're comparing your work to maybe somebody else's work at that point as well, which is always fun to do. Right. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> questioning yourself. Like, why didn't they hire that guy? He's really, really good. Or why didn't they hire her? She's amazing. You know, Things like that uh, scare you as a designer, I think. You know, I know. have you been through that maybe in your career? <laughs> yes, I'd say uh, kind of continuously. Um, yes. It's interesting. As you were describing that, it reminded me of that, uh, the hype cycle, which is this notion in technology about how like a new technology comes out, something happens, and there's like this huge wave of excitement um, yes. all around a set of expectations, right? And like, right. think about like virtual reality. What a classic example, right? Like, oh my God, we're going to like have these incredibly immersive experiences, these games, it's good. you're not going to be able to tell what's real anymore, right? And then right. it plummets into the, uh, and what they call it is the trough of disillusionment. And, and that's what, you're right? And then you, okay. kind of, <laughs> you, then you kind of come up into the plateau of productivity, right? Where, oh, all right, it's not going to do what we thought, but actually it's kind of cool. You can it's do actually, this, and, right? Cool, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Like I thought, you know, 10 years ago, Slack is going to be the end of email. 
And then right. like, oh my God, I can't keep up anymore. And now like, oh, it's actually a pretty good way to do product releases. Like it works I pretty well. It. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, so, but the, like applying the same to our, our own internal uh, emotional state as we go through like, oh, a new project and oh my God, I'll never, like I've got to fail. And then yes, finally exactly. coming up into this equilibrium of like, okay, right? Right, like, right. Because I mean, let's be honest, um, you know, I feel like, and this are, these numbers are not um, fact-checked, but I feel like as designers that, you know, we're, we can do, you know, more than what like 99% of the, the rest of the earth can do, you know, as far as design. We have the ability to design, draw, lay out stuff that maybe somebody else is not able to do. And so we think our expectations of, of what our work can be is so low. And in reality, it's it's very high compared to the rest of the earth. You know, uh, we're pretty good at what we do, right? I mean, sure. we have that skill. We have that ability. Um, I just think that uh, we self-doubt so much and so hard that at, at times we, we just don't think our work is that great. And it's really sad. Um, I feel like we're always constantly checking our work against somebody else's, which is also, like I said earlier, it, it's it's hard to um, to do. I, I don't suggest, uh, especially a new designer out there, really trying to compare your work to somebody that's been in the business for so long. It's not yeah. a good, not yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Let's uh, let's take another little break, and we'll be right back. This episode of Presentable is brought to you by Forward Networks. Forward Networks reduces business risk by revolutionizing the way large networks are managed. How? Well, their advanced software delivers a digital twin of the network, which is a completely accurate mathematical model, only in software. The model serves as a single source of truth for the network, so users can verify that their network is configured correctly and is in compliance with policies and is behaving exactly as they intended. Forward Enterprises can accurately predict the impact of a proposed change across every possible traffic path, so network operators can roll out changes with confidence, all while the network stays secure and reliable. It really is an invaluable tool for your company. Fortune 500 companies and large public sector organizations are turning to mathematical models of the network. Forward Networks have customers like PayPal and Verizon and Goldman Sachs, along with several large government agencies. It was founded in 2013 by four Stanford PhD graduates who felt empathy for network operators and know that security is top of mind for IT professionals and business leaders. So they sought to apply principles of modern software development to the network. You can request a demo at forwardnetworks.com presentable. Do it today. That's forwardnetworks.com presentable. And if you go there now, check it out. It's at forwardnetworks.com presentable. Our thanks to Forward Networks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about uh, the the comparison, right? Like you you were you're mentioning that uh, on one hand, judging yourself, I guess, judging your output against what you see, right, is always inherently dangerous. We have no idea the number of iterations, the the scrapped ideas that went into the thing you're comparing to, right? For sure, yeah. Um, I- I appreciate, you know, the designers out there that are really, really good, um, who are willing to tell the world that like, you should have seen versions one through 50 before you saw this one, or you should have seen the stuff that I just completely just trashed. Mm. Um, it wasn't that great. And I appreciate those designers that say that and not just kind of put their work out there and, and show the finished product always. And just like, sure. 
I'm amazing. I did this on the first try. You know, <laughs> um, I think it gives you know that false sense of security to some some uh, designers. Um, as a a newly like I said a, a new graduate, I've been talking with some uh, some students and trying to be a little bit more of a mentor now. Yep. And um, I think I give them the advice that yes, they should go out there and look at other people's work and, and kind of maybe take it and dissect it and see if you can figure out a little bit of some of the techniques that they used and learn from that. But don't necessarily feel like you need to be on that level just yet, or you have to design in that style. Um, I, I think that's kind of hard for them to see that and, and, and just feel confident about their own work. And I also give them the advice that sometimes it's kind of cool to just reach out to the designer that worked on something and just tell them that you like their work and um, you would like to learn more about their, their, their techniques. And some of them may share and some of them may not. But I think as, as a designer, I think it's kind of cool to get a, a, a message sometimes from somebody that admires your work and just wants to learn a little bit more. Um, I think that's a, a really cool thing. I think that's uh, actually really good advice uh, for, for a number of reasons. Um, one, because of that exchange of like, hey, I just think you're great. And if I could mm-hmm. get a half an hour of your time on Zoom, that would be awesome. Right. Um, right. Uh, uh, as a way of just broadening your horizons and, and, you know, t- taking in some more of, you know, what somebody else has found is, is, sure. uh, works and is successful. But there's also this notion, I think that young, uh, people, uh, or people earlier in their careers just don't, uh, don't realize is the value of the network. Right. And the, the ability to actually, to spend time developing your network in a right. way very early on and keeping track of it and staying consistent with that. And like, you know, say like, Oh my God, that designer from the, you know, whatever, from the, from that, that, uh, that website that I love or that magazine that I, that I, that I admire so much took the time to talk to me. That was amazing. But sure. then follow up in six months and then follow up again in six months and then do that with 20 people. And guess exactly. what? In five years, like you're not going to have any trouble finding a job. No, not at all. And, and, you know, I, I guess I could also say is like, it, it's cool to, to write that designer and say, I love your work. You know, it, it may not be the best thing to say, how did you do that? Right. Cause then right. at that point, it's some of them don't want to give up their, their, I wouldn't say secrets or anything like that, but I think it's mostly just like, I like your work think you're amazing. I'm starting out in the business. I would love to just be in touch with you. Maybe I can send you some stuff that I've worked on. Just give me a, a quick portfolio review, if you will, or just take a look at my stuff and see if, you know what you think. And like, I, like you said, that's a two-minute email. Yep. And you'll be surprised how many people just want to grow their, their network or, or, like me, transition into a mentor role now where I love seeing student work. I love seeing, you know, them coming right out of college and having no track and being able to hopefully steer them in a direction that they want to be uh, in maybe five to 10 years. I would have loved, loved to have that opportunity when I was out of school and completely lost. I had no idea where I was going to go, had no idea how I was going to get there. Um, But I think that would have been really, really, really important for me. You know, there's also something else you said uh, very early on that you felt like at 28, it was way too late, right? Yes. And I get, I hear from people who are 
in college and feel like I shouldn't be here. I'm missing it. You know, I'm, it's way too late. I'm 20 already and I still haven't <laughs> like made an app and, you know, yes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, like I said, I'll never forget, you know, the first day at Fossil and I'm sitting in the waiting room and before they brought us back to the, I guess, design floor or whatever. And yeah, I was sitting there and I was looking at, you know, the other interns and I was like feeling so old. Which is, you know, crazy, right? And 28, come on now. Uh, and just thinking, and being jealous, let's be honest. I was, I was jealous, too. You know, I was thinking to myself, they have a seven-year head start on me, you know? And, and it, it was kind of frustrating. But at the same time, I knew that in those seven years that they didn't have, I had already worked at that TV station. I had already gone on my long drives. I had gotten married. I had, you know, um, all kinds of life experience that they didn't even have at that point. And maybe I took the internship way more serious than perhaps they did. You know, and I, and I started kind of looking back at that time and going, okay, maybe it was important that I was, you know, seven to <laughs> five years older than the other interns. Um, I think it's going to set me up for a, a brighter future at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, like, what else do you think? The people just entering the car- their careers today, um, you have mentioned wanting to or, or starting to uh, do a lot more mentorship. I, I do a fair amount of that as well. How might people get, you know, besides just reaching out to people that they're interested in, but that, that mentor-mentee relationship mm-hmm. uh, or advocacy within an organization they're working in, you know, allyship with, with uh, you know, people in, in more powerful positions, those sorts of things, you know? It's crazy. I, I think there's so, there's so many ways. Um, like you said, men, uh, reaching out to a designer that you love, always a great idea. I think they may answer, they may not move on if they don't, of course. Um, you know, doing those self-initiated projects, which is important too. But I think another thing that maybe they can do is um, volunteer their time and their work hmm. for something. Um, I know it's, it's as crazy as this sounds, even in this time of COVID right now, I've been out and seen wayfinding signs for COVID, you know, shots sure. that they're giving out. And they're scribbled on a piece of paper with a Sharpie that says shots this way. Right. You know, as a designer, as a student designer, maybe volunteer to make better looking signs that are easier to read. Little things like that. You'd be surprised the opportunities that are out there that, as a designer, you can just volunteer a little bit of your time, a little bit of effort, and it's going to teach you some things. It's going to teach you how to, you know, maybe go find the person that's in charge of that area, talk to her, ask them if, you know, can I do this for you? You know, maybe they say yes, maybe they say no. It's going to maybe uh, give you some uh, opportunities to do some layout typography-wise, you know, maybe kind of test some things out, test a style out. There's, your, there's a, a little bit of an opportunity there to volunteer your time and your effort to, you know, even grow more sure. of your, your skills. Sure. So, so social media assets for the food bank or uh, 100%. You know, web, website uh, right. updates and, for and anybody. Exactly. And I'm not, I'm not talking about spec work. You know, nope. nobody wants to do that. You know what I mean? Nobody should try to do a design. I don't think nobody should try to do a design contest or anything like that, you know, to try to get your, you know, work scene. I, I think that's a little kind of 
Sketchy. Oh, no, for sure. There's a good rule of thumb there. If somebody is going to make money off of the work that you're doing, but tell you it's good for your portfolio, then that's a good, that's, that's that's a good time a, to walk away. Flag. Yeah, for sure. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, hey, you're volunteering to do a, a little sign or something for a food bank, you know, that maybe had the sign written, like I said, with a Sharpie on a piece of cardboard. That's uh, right. Okay, you know, hey, that, that's, that's a good use of your time, I think. Right. And, hey, you know, that you could help somebody out. I think that's, a, that's, that's important. For sure. Uh, well, this is a great conversation, John. Um, I really appreciate that that sort of perspective that you've had throughout uh, the course of your career and kind of where you're t- taking it now. So um, maybe if people want to, aha, maybe if there's a young designer out there that would like you to look at their portfolio, where can they get in touch? 100%. Where, where, where can they uh, get more information? My website is always, uh, there's a little button on there that says contact. That's pretty easy. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, Dribble. Wherever, wherever you can find my name, uh, hit me up and I'd be happy to help you out. All right. I will put some uh, links to all of that. The work on Instagram, I think, just looks fantastic. All these stamps that you've been doing are just gorgeous. So Thank you. Uh, so Thank go you. check that out. There's links in the show notes. John, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. And that's another episode of Presentable. Hey, got any questions? You can email us at hello at presentable.fm or get in touch via Twitter by following Presentable FM. We hope you've really enjoyed the show. And if you do, could you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? It really helps and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Veen and this was Presentable. Presentable.